This is Matt. We are going to be discussing two horror films, as we always do. And the theme this episode is STD, Sexually Transmitted Death. We're going to be talking about It Follows and the David Cronenberg uh, early film, Shivers. I'm joined today by my hosts, Paris. Welcome. Hey. And Travis. Shiver me timbers. <laughs> so, Paris, oh, no. these are your picks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> uh, Paris, these were your picks. Um, other than the clever name, you want to tell us, uh, was it literally the clever name? What, what brought you to these two films? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I love It Follows and wanted to I triple checked to make sure y'all hadn't covered it on the mainline podcast and it's a great horror movie and is very we'll get into it but I was like what would go with it follows like what are some of the themes of it follows I was thinking maybe stalking and then I think it may have even been you Matt that was like what about like like the STD allegory, and I was like, aha, you know what STD could stand for? <laughs> <laughs> so the D is death, and yeah, that's kind of where I came up with that. Very cool. Well, you probably should have quadruple checked, because It Follows did win our horror movie bracket episode. Uh, so sounds like mm. someone's not a true fan of the show. Okay. <laughs> First of all, I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure I'm your number one fan. So much so that I was like, "Let me do this with you." Um, <laughs> no, but I I meant you guys didn't cover it on a featured review. Yeah, I looked at all the titles. It was nowhere in there, and I was no, like, I, "That is good." Well, we cover new releases on the main line, and the podcast didn't exist when it follows came out. Exactly. So we're good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're <Ugh>. fine. <laughs> oh, God. I just burped like mouth basically on the mic. That was, yeah, not, that was like uncouth I, of me. I felt like I heard inside <laughs> of your stomach. <laughs> was oh, God. The listeners are going to hate that. But uh, anyway, let's go ahead and uh, dive into this double feature. Um, so we're going to be starting with It Follows. This is a 2014 release. Plot synopsis is a young woman is followed by an unknown supernatural force after a sexual encounter. Written and directed by DRM, David Robert Mitchell. Film stars Micah Monroe, the Scream Queen herself, Bailey Spry, Carolette Phillips. Just a, a bunch of nobodies. Um, so who cares? But... It follows. Uh, this was we've all seen this movie previously. Um, mm-hmm. A few times. It ranks among 
the best horror films of the um, past decade or so. Um, so let's uh, let's get into it. Who wants to who wants to kick things off on on it follows? Let's have Paris do it because we've already talked about it on the show in one <laughs> wow. form or another, and this is her episode. So all right, the floor is yours, Paris. Cool. Um, I don't know if anyone else knew this, but this is just my episode. Uh, Travis and Matt mm-hmm. will be leaving. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, so this was my third time watching this. And every time I watch it, I feel like I go in with like a different perspective or a different lens that I'm looking at it through. And I notice different things. Um, and I thought it was really cool. I watched this with Kurt, who... Um, he hadn't seen it before, so that was really cool to kind of get his, like, first-time perspective again. Mm-hmm. And um, obviously we can get more into this in, like, details and stuff later. But I thought it was really interesting because I'm not sure if I noticed this on previous watches. But it's not just the strong STD, you know, allegory, but also, like, a lot of, like, sexual assault uh, metaphor stuff in there. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, yeah. So basically, the movie's like sex is bad and or scary, which I didn't remember. I don't know. I guess I thought of it more as like a. I don't know. I didn't quite think of it as that sort of chast vibe, but this time I was like, huh, that is kind of interesting. Yeah, yeah, and we we can explore that in detail a, a bit later because I do think that that's one of the more interesting aspects of the film, like as far as I guess which side it lands on, because I I I think there are arguments to be made that it is anti-sex, but also. I'm not going to say pro-sex, but, like, there's different ways you can read it because the, on one hand, the the male characters, uh, Paul and, uh, what's that other fucking guy's name? The, the, the hot guy with the long hair? Greg? Greg. Paul and Greg. Um, <laughs> they, <laughs> they both, even knowing the consequences, even if they don't necessarily believe the consequences, they both want to bang... Michael Monroe's character, Jay, but their motives are different, right? So, I mean, there's a little bit more complexity there than the 80s trope of uh, you get fucked, you get killed. You know what I mean? Like, it's not, there's a little bit more, they're clearly drawing from that. um, uh, There's a very rich history of horror films where teenagers have sex and then they become the target of a killer, right? So, I mean, there's more nuance Mm -hmm. there, but... um, I, th- I think we can get into that a little bit later. Um, it's one of the rules they cover in Scream, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. To call back to yeah. a previous episode. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, very much so. Um, I w- okay, so I have seen this movie probably over 10 times at this point. Um, I consider it among my favorite horror films. However, I think that the movie has really high highs. And I think my perception of the film 
is maybe a little bit skewed by those moments that I love because every time I watch this movie, like the actual act of watching the movie, I do find myself getting a little bored every time. But then I think back on the movie and I'm like, oh my God, it's fucking amazing. The score, the scene with the guy, the tall guy in the house. And you know, like the high moments distract what I do think are some, some faults. I think the movie has some pacing issues. Um, so I'm, I'm coming down to earth a little bit on this one. Um, my least favorite of my 10 to 15 rewatches thus far. So that's where I am. You know, it's interesting that you said that because I was a little surprised. Like I said, I watched this with Kurt and it was his first time. And I was a little surprised that he didn't like it as much as I did. That he wasn't like, because I was like, oh, yeah, cream jeans for, for this movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but <laughs> Put on your creamy jeans. <laughs> <laughs> Had to wear special pants. But Kurt was more like, oh, you know, the he liked how it was shot, the color schemes and the score. But he said, yeah, what he, do you think about the score? That's that's what we care about. I mean, he he's loved the a, score. He's a music guy, and so. he actually, yeah, no, he loved the score. And he said um, th- he was uh, when he saw it was done by disaster piece. He said that made sense because I guess that guy also does uh, scores like some higher level video Look games at and Kurt. stuff. What a- well, he's he he's a video stuff. he's a video game nerd. Disaster Piece uh, is a <laughs> oh, video okay. game composer. So <laughs> I was like, that's a sick pull right there, Kurt. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Kurt's also very knowledgeable and cool, so he just knows stuff sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, but he said it felt like a little bit just like a day in the life of this spooky monster, and said he wanted like a little bit more story from it. I think. Which I found interesting because that's almost what I, what I like so much about the movie is that it doesn't have a real like, like it does feel a little bit like a horror slice of life almost. It's it is pretty light on story, um, but there are so with the pacing issues, it's mostly the middle section of the film, like before things really start to ramp up that I was starting to find kind of tedious. Like, I don't know, like the scene where they go to the movie theater and they play the game. Like, I don't know. I was just, maybe it's just diminishing returns to a certain extent. Cause I've just seen it so many times that it doesn't, it doesn't pop for me like it used to, but I don't know. Like some of the moments uh, of them just hanging out, I, I don't find very interesting or, or even particularly well written. Like some of the banter exchanges between the friends, some of them are a little cringy. It's it's mostly fine, but um, I don't Whenever know. Whenever she starts reading off of her little clamshell phone, I was like kind of rolling my eyes. At that. <laughs> some of that was a little on the nose, especially the, the one at the end that she reads like in the hospital bed. Matt, I do hear you with the uh, the whole diminishing returns thing, but you could probably say that about any movie you rewatch semi-regularly because um, there's movies that have blown me away and I go back to them every once in a while hoping to get that same reaction mm-hmm. and I just don't. But I don't want to like discredit the movie 
at that point because I don't really feel like it's fair to the movie because I'm consuming it so frequently. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it de- it's yeah depends on the movie, I guess. But um, I, I kind yeah, of see what you're saying with It Follows, um, where it is a little s- slow at times. And um, I know some people have issues with some of the logic of the rules of this movie. Um, but I agree that the, the highs are really high. The soundtrack is amazing, or the score. Um, and I just like its sense of style and kind of how it's like paying homage to movies from the 80s, but not blatantly ripping them off. Um, yeah. I mean, there's even like a scene that's a direct ripoff of a Halloween scene, but I view it as homage because it's, I mean, it's basically doing the same scene, but it's almost like the the Tarantino type homage where, you know, he's literally borrowing a scene from a movie that he really likes, but doing it his way or whatever. Right. Maybe uh, David Robert Mitchell doesn't have as much of a stamp on things as Tarantino does, but I don't think it was just him blatantly ripping something off because he didn't know how else to shoot the scene or whatever. I think it was very and, intentional. <laughs> yeah. Oh, for sure. Is is that the scene where she's in class and it is coming mm-hmm. toward her? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and then, Travis, I wanted to ask how, like, what watch was this one for you? How many times? Have um, you well, according to Letterboxd, I think it was, like, my fourth. But uh, I would pr- probably around four or five times I've seen it. This is a movie that I would show um, to uh, like my Tinder honeys when we'd be hanging out, (laughs) you know, like looking for a horror movie to watch. Paris, I think you, me and you might have even watched yeah, this movie I was together. Gonna, I was, I, well, you started saying that, and I was like, oh my god, Matt, because I, Matt, you I need watched to make this a for the first time at Matt's house. Go to um, Tinder movie with him. <laughs> Jesus H Christ, um, Matt is a fuckboy. I'm not sure if that came across clear enough. I'm the opposite of a fuckboy. Okay, I want. Matt I put on the movie to watch the movie. Death. <laughs> He's like, we're going to Netflix and there will be no chill. You have to watch every <laughs> second. And afterward, we're going to discuss it in depth. <laughs> That's how Matt gets down. Haley just walked into the room from the shower and said, you are a fuck boy. <laughs> <Damn>. <laughs> um, Roasted. She got me. Um, so real, real quick note on the score. Um, I still love it, but I, I don't love... Some of the quieter moments, like there's it's all a, about the the main track, the opening track or whatever. Oh yeah, that I mean, that that one that's an Alzheimer. <laughs> that one's great and instantly recognizable. But oh, like yeah. some of the quieter scenes, um, like where characters are like looking at themselves in the mirror, or Jay is floating in the pool. Like I don't love those. Sound very video gamey to me. Not in like a like a uh, derogatory way. Like I don't think it's necessarily bad, but it, it feels kind of out of sync with the movie. I think the more like bombastic, like tense score moments are are amazing. I think they're awesome. But I was a little during some of the quieter scenes. I was like, eh, I never really realized this, but probably because I wasn't paying too close attention. 
But I was like, ah, I'm not loving these uh, these slow jam tracks. I don't know how you guys felt, but Matt, you've just seen it so many times that you're just trying to find ways to pick it apart. I'm turning on it. I'm going the other <laughs> <Yeah>. way. <laughs> I kind of I kind of get what you're saying though, and that's I think sometimes part of the diminishing returns with something like this, where it is like it's so stylish and so well done in that way that there are a couple, there was a couple times where I was like, Oh, what are we, I don't remember this being kind of meh right here. Mm -hmm. But then at the end of the movie, I was like, you know, I forgot. I fucking love this movie. It's great. It's got 1000 positives and like a few negatives in, in its corner. So Yeah, Travis. I oh, heard your breath. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we were in sync there. Um, I was just gonna say that I didn't realize Disasterpiece did the score for Under the Silver Lake. I didn't realize they teamed up again. Yeah, his score is a uh, very different in that movie. I remember he did the score for Triple Frontier because I remember seeing the name pop up when I was watching that, but I don't really recall the score being memorable. It wasn't. Or, I don't really remember it, so the only thing Therefore, I remember about that memorable <laughs> The only thing I remember about that movie is that it was bookended with like fucking Metallica songs or something. And that like, ruled. Yeah. <laughs> duh, duh. <laughs> <laughs> um so is this movie scary? I know we've all seen it multiple times, but how cause Haley, this was only I watched it with Haley, and this was only her I think second time seeing it and she she didn't like it that much it wasn't as scary as she remembered she was kind of bored I mean she appreciated the style of it but it was not a banger for her the part where the tall man is coming into the room after the friend with the glasses whose name I forget Mm -hmm. that part even though I knew it was coming even though I was like prepped for it and was like oh we're in the house it's that scene it's coming up i still almost pooped my pants because it's such a it's such a scary moment without being quite like a jump scare per se it's Mm -hmm. just it's just the the terror of that thing almost coming into the room or coming into the room after her it's just i don't know that that moment is the spookiest Everything else, I think, watching a third time was definitely a lot less scary in that way. I think the film still has that sense of dread mm-hmm. more that hangs over it the whole time. And there was a couple... And I think I think also knowing what's going on makes the earlier scenes, especially where she is um, going on dates and stuff with the guy, definitely those feel more tense. I think knowing, um, like in the diner scene where I had never noticed this in the background when the diner scene where they haven't had sex yet and there's someone walking towards them in the background and the camera focuses on it. So it's like, I'm, I was kind of like, how did I not see that before? But I think that that, all that gives it a sense of dread, but I don't know about actual scares. Yeah, I mean, I I do definitely think there's um, there's a, a a palpable tension that kind of runs through the whole film. Um, that is is very effective. I think that's why this movie is so good is because it's such a it's a simple conceit, but he he milks that cow 
for as much as he can get out of it, right? You know, like there aren't that moment with the tall man like coming out of the shadows is really the only scary moment. But there's definitely a sense of of unease uh, that runs through the whole film, both in, in you know in the score, in the way that the camera uh, moves throughout the scene. Um, oh I, God, though. Sorry. Oh, go ahead. Go no, ahead. go ahead. I, oh, I was I basically gonna, done. <laughs> I forgot about a true moment of horror is when Greg dies, when he gets like fucked to fucked death by his by mom. His mom <laughs> and there's just like so many juices everywhere. And I guess I hadn't thought about this before, but is that how we're supposed to assume they all die is that they get fucked to death? I don't think so, because the girl at the beginning didn't have any, like, monster come on her, I don't think. Unless the water washed it away. She was on the beach, I guess, but she had, like, her what? legs snapped Matt, off. what the fuck are you talking... I mean, yeah, like, I get that she was mutilated, but was she just mutilated, or was she mutilated while being fucked to death? Because if not, then why was Greg killed that way? But just the imagery of it. I don't know. I mean, Travis alluded to it before, but there are some like logic issues with the film. The one in particular, I don't know how this scene never bothered me in the past, but this time I was like, wait, what? Why is this happening? The naked dude standing on the house when they're driving away. That has always bothered me. I, it doesn't I, make any sense. It's yes. the only time in the whole movie when it when it is not actually following or walking or moving in any way, shape, or form. That isn't so much the issue for me, the fact that it's not moving. It's that it's just fucking standing on the roof of the house. Like, what's he doing up there, bud? Like, he we've everything we've seen of it in the film suggests that its sole goal is like walk in a straight line, break a window, go through the nearest door, whatever it is. Like, why would it climb onto the house? I mean, it's stupid, too, that it wasn't moving because everything else we've seen suggests that it's always moving. But, like, more so for me, it was him being on the house that I was like, what the fuck? You know, he probably just did it for the, the image. It is a kind of a, a jarring image. That's probably what he was going for. And I mean, I'm pretty sure that's the iconic image from the trailer, right? Like, I remember that, except they had to, like, cover up his junk or something. I don't think I ever saw a trailer for this movie before I saw the movie. I don't think. Mm. I don't know. It's been a while. It's been a while. It's been a while. <laughs> um, okay. Um, what else you guys got? Mm, for this movie? <laughs> <laughs> Um, it's one of those movies that is always going to be special to me. Like, I, I don't know if I've talked about this on the mainline podcast or not, but I, I saw this at the Egyptian theater in Seattle and I don't recall who I saw it with, but I walked home by myself that night and it was like past Scary. midnight i was pretty fucking freaked out <laughs> like not that i actually thought somebody was following me but i had that sense you know what i mean i mean i don't know 
probably not Travis, maybe Paris, but have you ever legitimately been followed or you think someone is legitimately following you that sense that you're being watched and you know like you can feel a presence behind you i felt that walking home it was freaky as fuck yeah i mean matt why don't you think someone would uh follow me or i would never uh, (laughs) sense someone is following me Uh, i don't know i mean i get the feeling that someone's following me or watching me or could be potentially outside a lot a lot of times but a lot of that's like personal anxiety and stuff but yes i've also physically had people following me or like yell after me and i have to like figure out what to do because i am a woman and that's what happens yeah i feel like you guys are more prone for the uh following What are you yeah. saying? What are you saying? Tough guy, no one will fuck with you. I, I'm saying I think. No, not at I mean, all. I'm that's a good point. People because are because men are more likely to be men are more likely to be uh, the people Especially following men, other people. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> men are more likely to be following women. So again, that, that tracks. Yeah, but that was a really cool experience, and uh, this movie I've always held in high regard, and still do hold it in high regard. I think it's a really cool movie. I just. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I've turned the corner on this one. Maybe maybe it's my appreciation of it has plateaued and I've I just don't think the movie is that deep or groundbreaking or anything. So unlike something like Halloween Halloween which I return to like every year. Like that movie was revolutionary. This is I think I've gotten everything I'm ever going to get out of it at this point. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's fair. Definitely the first couple times I saw it, though. Similar to you, Paris, I was noticing new things. I was reading into the themes. I was seeing figures in the background walking toward the camera that I hadn't seen before. You know, like there's fun stuff to discover, but it's all kind of surface level stuff you know there's i'm not gonna call them easter eggs because that's not what they are yeah, but, but it's got that style and that score. honestly <laughs> i think that the more the more times i watch it the more i still i still love it but i think that like travis said it has that style that score but it doesn't have as much of the substance it does have substance don't get me wrong i still love it but it just i think that's the part that does diminish on rewatches for me yeah for sure um what do you guys think of the ending? We could talk about the ending a little bit. I guess the uh, climax at the uh, pool and then also the um, the final moment. The climax sucks. I love the ending, when... but climax The sucks. climax yeah. does suck because it's very similar to... Well, I don't even want to say it because I know someone hasn't seen it and I don't want to spoil the moment. Is it me? Yeah, <laughs> but it's very reminiscent of another horror movie with a very iconic scene. That's what, that's all I'll say. Um, Oof! Now I want to. So, know. so yeah, I guess in that regard, it's um kind of annoying that it's kind of similar. Um, but yeah, that's also kind of where the the logic goes out the window is in during the pool scene. <laughs> It's just yeah. dumb. Like I, I, I understand that they are supposed to be young and they con- they concoct this fucking stupid Scooby Doo ass plan and it doesn't work. Like immediately fails as soon as the encounter starts. But that was pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> it was it's like, just, oh, 
doesn't work. Yes. <laughs> why? What did they think? The guy told her like, it's not dumb. Like, oh, I'm just gonna sit in the pool and wait for it to follow me into the pool. Like, I, maybe that's the. I I think part of the point was it was supposed to illuminate some of their naivete, but it's just dumb that we build up to this moment. There's this this slow build up where they're setting up and they're just kind of lounging around like hanging out and then the encounter starts immediately blows up in their faces and the 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 Paul is fucking firing off the gun all willy-nilly and he shoots his friend and it's just like such a dumb plan and for that to work well work we don't know if, if it worked or not definitively but it was just I don't know kind of a lame climax like that's that's always been my least favorite part but every time i watch it i'm like man i'm i'm actively bummed when i get to that part because i'm like Ugh, i have to watch this to get to the to the ending where <laughs> paul go bangs the hookers and they hold hands and <laughs> <laughs> you know i i feel similarly and that i really really don't like that part what i did what i have always liked watching it is that it leaves it open-ended you don't even really see what happens to it and which makes the very ending even more like is the thing behind them actually following them or is that just a person walking behind them as they're holding hands however i think that on this watch i hated that scene even more because i was like they've already shot it and it immediately got back up and didn't seem to affect it at all and so why would shooting it in the head be any different? You know what I mean? Right. Or I don't know. Like I, I think the movie is trying to emphasize the fact that they're kind of young and dumb, but they're not high school kids. Like she's going to college, right? Jay is, I'm assuming yeah. going to like community college or something. And I don't know if her sister is, still in high school or not but they're not like teenagers like they're young adults like so it's it's kind of frustrating some of the choices they make but i like the very end of the film and you're right that you have to have that ambiguity because we don't actually see a body or anything we just see the bloody pool right which is a sick image i think we can all agree but maybe Mm -hmm. a bit maybe a bit derivative and um you need that for the ending to work. And some people really hate the ending of this movie. I like it. I like the fact that it's it's open-ended oh, it's and it, it, it just emphasizes the fact that this is an unstoppable supernatural force. You know what I mean? Like this isn't something that's just like a guy that's stalking them. Like this is beyond their understanding. And I think that's part of the reason why it's such effective at building tension is because it feels like there's nothing they can do to stop it yeah and i think like some horror movies when they leave things open-ended it feels like so intentional that they're like setting up for a sequel or something it like doesn't quite make sense or is a little cheesy like or just a cop out yeah or or a cop out exactly i think that the way that the actual ending ending goes where it's left open-ended is great especially for a horror movie but it's kind of like we talked about the logic to get there is a little like i don't know Mm. it's a movie that you can is very enjoyable 
if you don't dig into it too much. And I haven't, up until this watch, dug into it too much. I I think if you just let the movie happen to you and you soak in those tunes and you look at the cool <laughs> colors and shit. Um, one other thing before we move on to Shivers. Um, and I think we, we've talked about this on the Mainline podcast, but um, how do you guys feel about uh, the director's attempt to make a movie that feels like it's out of out of time like the costuming mm. the deliberate um use of like 80s and 90s cars and and like he intentionally did that even the clamshell reader it's clearly modern technology but it is meant to make you feel like uh what is happening like that was a deliberate attempt to to not age the movie because so many movies from the 70s and the 80s feel very much of their time and he has said that he tried to make he didn't want this to feel like it was made in a particular moment in time how effective do you guys think that is did you even notice it well, you definitely notice it because of the clamshell reader. <laughs> right. That's the most like wink, wink. Hey, look yeah. at this. Like, <laughs> uh, But I don't know. I, I appreciate him wanting it to not feel dated, but I do feel like it does bring up a little bit of like confusion while watching the movie because like he's actively trying to make you, you know, not place this in a certain era, but by doing that, he's like calling attention to it. So it's almost like he's actively trying to avoid it, but in actuality he's calling attention to it. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. So it's and a I weird mean, thing. I don't know. I don't really know how to feel about it, but um, I don't know. It just kind of adds to the weirdness of the movie, I guess. Yeah. I, I feel like Travis, I, I think I agree with you, Travis, in that like part of me is like, it's really cool. Like what a neat trick for a movie to sort of keep it out of a specific timeline. Um, I also read that another reason he he did that was to make it feel more dreamlike. So it's not really specific. And part of that was because I guess the concept of the movie came from a reoccurring nightmare mm. that the director had. So from that perspective, I think I, I like it more where it's supposed to feel a little a little weird, a little dreamy, a little bit like this doesn't quite make sense in that aspect but but that was it's kind of like travis says some i think by especially by having the girl use a phone in the beginning of the movie and then having the friend with the clamshell reader thing throughout the movie sort of i think those two things make it a little bit too much calling a little bit too much attention to the rest of the movie not having that yeah. yeah, I don't know. I also don't feel like the movie's that dreamlike. It I mean, if you like compare it to like David Lynch movies or even like Charlie Kaufman's movies, I think they have a better sense of like dream logic or just like the sense of a dream. I I don't really watch this and get like a a dreamlike vibe. Uh, Paris left out the fact that when the director said that, he was doing a jerk-off motion with his hand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, that sounds about right. <laughs> I, do ag I do agree, though. Like, I 
I, I don't really get that vibe from the film. I mean, you know, if, if that's what he says, his what part of his intention was, you know, sure, bud. But I don't really get <laughs> that vibe watching this Damn. movie. I, you know what I mean? Like, I don't really get like a dreamy kind of surreal vibe from watching it. I do think an argument could be made that trying to make it out of time kind of does a disservice to the objective of the film because there's part of the reason why some of those older movies don't age as well is not just because they look like 80 movies 80s movies it's also the gender politics that are involved and 20 years from now just look at how far we've come over the past 20 years 20 years from now this movie is probably going to feel dated regardless Regardless of these attempts to doing, they're just based on the gender politics that it's playing in. You know, fucking Gen ZZZ are going to watch this film and be like, (laughs) God, this movie is so fucking rapey. Like, I can't believe (laughs) these these cishets non-transies are actually (laughs) hanging out. You know, like, who knows what the discourse is going to look like. It's just like, you know what I mean, though, right? Like, it's a, it, it is a very... It's playing in specific gender roles. Yeah, maybe it, there are themes about consent, and it's not as black and white as some of those older films, but that's what's going to date a movie like this. You know what I mean? Like, I, I admire the attempt to do these aesthetic, make these aesthetic choices, but again, that circles back to maybe this movie a little bit emphasizing style over substance. Just a bit. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Well, it's interesting that you talk about, like, the gender politics and stuff, because all of the relationships and the sex that's mentioned in the movie are heterosexual. But I guess uh, the director also confirmed that uh, same-gender sex would um, do the same thing as uh, as hetero sex, which I thought was interesting that that, that he specifically you mentioned that like separately as if like he had thought about it but it's not addressed in the movie at all Mm -hmm. yeah it comes across as like i didn't want any gays in my movie but of course (laughs) gays can get followed by it too i know that's not i know sex is real sex but we're not gonna have that in this movie right (laughs) um Okay, anything else on uh, It Follows? We can drop some star ratings and uh, move on to shivers. Um, Really quick, actually, I wanted to, to yeah. tell you guys this because it was it. super funny, I thought. Um, so, like I said, this was Kurt's first time watching it. And because of, I hadn't noticed this before, but there's a lot of, like, nature shots in this and a lot of, like, lingering on trees and just like nature in general and so kurt kept thinking in the beginning kurt kept thinking that um it like the supernatural element was going to be from plants like in the happening (laughs) 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 and he kept waiting for like the Shyamalan twist where it was plants all along would have been a better movie (laughs) mother nature fucks back (laughs) (laughs) um Cool, cool. You guys want to drop some stars? Let's do it. Um, well, I just like default to five stars on this movie, so five stars. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
uh, I don't know. I feel like Matt maybe made a case for uh, myself to maybe drop it down to 4.5, but I'm just going to stick with what I've been rating it. Five stars. <laughs> Not going to Been doing it the whole it. time. Not going to rock the boat. <laughs> um, I actually feel pretty much exactly the same as Travis. I gave it five stars. After our conversation, I was like, maybe I should drop it down. It's still a five-star movie, though, <laughs> despite all the flaws. Like, it is a five-star movie. It's just, I think... Some five-star movies get better the more you watch them, and some get a little bit not as better. Worse, one might say. Even. <laughs> I uh, I went with a four and a half, and I'm trying to... Is There's a way on Letterboxd to like look at all of your logs, right? I can never figure yeah. out how to you do go it to the movie. And if you like click like you're going to log it again, you know, like the little three dots in the top right corner... Yep. And then when you have that portion up, there's like a bunch of options. If you click logged, there should be like a little number within that eye of logged, like an eyeball, and then it'll show all your diary entries. What but you had to do a diary entry each time or it wouldn't count. Maybe I haven't done diary entries. Well, anyway, um, I don't know if I've ever actually given this movie a five. I talk about it like it's a five star movie. Oh yeah, you know, you, like, you know what I mean. I was but... surprised when I saw you gave it a four point five. I was like, "What this? Me this too, is actually. Like, yeah. What are we doing here? Well, see, that's that circles back to I the things I love about this movie. I adore, but I recognize that I I have some issues with it. So that's where the four point five comes from. Is my own recognition that this movie is doing shit that i love but does bore me a little bit it's okay to inflate your star rating a little bit oh that's my whole podcast persona (laughs) is inflation (laughs) oh my god um so it's 4.5 for me um happy to revisit it i'm always down to watch it follows maybe wait five or ten years so you'll enjoy it this time give a little bit more uh, a little more space yeah. Yeah. <laughs> give it that cushion to get it back up a little extra half star well i'm i'm done with uh with the tinder honey so i found my last one so <laughs> i don't have to don't have to, sp- don't have to sprinkle oh my that God. In here anymore. i really hope i really truly hope Haley did not hear you say that that was so gross <laughs> i think he meant it in like a nice way but it did i know that makes it that worse way. that makes it worse <laughs> he meant it so sweetly and it came out so gross <laughs> she'll love it she'll love it <laughs> All right, you guys ready to talk about shivers? Oh, man. Uh, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> Shiver me timbers, as Travis <laughs> So, shivers. This is a very early David Cronenberg splatter pick. Um, the original title or alternate title of the film is Orgy of the Blood Parasites. And plot Way better title. Plot synopsis is the residents of a suburban high-rise apartment building are being infected by a strain of parasites that turn them into mindless, sex-crazed fiends out to infect others by the slightest sexual contact. Written and directed by David Cronenberg, starring a bunch of nobodies. Produced by, did you guys know this? Ivan Reitman, uh, who was also the music the supervisor. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I don't think I had noticed that the first time I saw this. But yeah, fucking Ivan Reitman of Ghostbusters and Stripes fame was the uh, producer and music supervisor of Shivers. Um, So this all in the same theme. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Um, So this was a second watch for me. I, I watched Shivers as part of a trash cinema class that I took in college. Um, so it's been mm, close it's to ten years now. Trash cinema class in college. Yeah, I've what talked about it before. Class. What was the oh, actual? It was the best. What was the actual name of the class? What was the list of movies? Trash. Cin- <laughs> literally, it was trash cinema. That was the name of the no. class. Yeah. So we did Went to Western Washington University. Yeah, it's a liberal arts school. Now, is I know that, you've is taken that, is that some, even a real school? <laughs> no, I know you've taken some film classes before, but I don't ever recall a trash cinema film course. Yeah, I've brought it up. So we're going to get off topic here, but um, <laughs> got to. let we me got remember. To. <laughs> yeah, you can't just throw that out there and then keep moving along. Um, I'm trying to remember some of the other films we watched. We watched a movie called Double Agent 47 i think double agent cody banks no i wish starring um, frankie muniz no double agent <laughs> no we watched double i think it's called double agent 47 and it's or about 73 seven, maybe double 73? agent 73 is there a, a huge chested woman in that movie mm-hmm. yes then that is the one um, oh she plays God. more woman than any man can handle. That's the tagline. The oh, 73. Yeah. Is that really is, the tagline? Um, Jesus. Hold on. Starring Chesty Morgan. Yeah. Dude. Oh, yeah. <laughs> is this a porn, Matt? Did no. you watch a porn for your film class? So the movie ends with a close up of her tits. And then it's a very slow fade to a plane landing on an airstrip so it looks like a phallic you know a dick titty fucking her like because it's a it's a fading image of her boobs with a jetliner oh like my <laughs> god Dude, this sounds and nice. you said this was a trash cinema class this sounds like high class elite level <laughs> cinema of the highest regard well, see, that was that was part of the thing was like what makes something trash. Like we watched Eraserhead in that class, which what? is, but what? Think about it what? though. I mean, that movie is probably considered by a an average moviegoer to be trash, and it is. Uh, <laughs> you know, it was a conversation we had. I, I don't think we thought it was trash, but. Um, yeah, anyway, I'm having a hard time with that one. We watched a film called Reefer Madness. Um, well, that's a famous. That's like the famous. Yeah. Um, I don't. Film I don't want to get off topic. I'll. I can if I can remember the other films. I'll. I'll send them to you. But yeah, literally that 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 was a class I took. It was yeah, awesome. You only yeah. gave Chesty or not Chesty Morgan <laughs> <laughs> Double Agent seventy you gave it one and a half stars, and you were one of 433 members to have watched it on Letterboxd. Damn. Wow. Dude. It's really Huge. bad. It's a really bad movie, but <laughs> it was uh, entertaining. Um, anyway, Shivers. So let's get back on track here, people. Yeah, so speaking shivers. of boobs. Yes. So <laughs> lots of boobs in this thing. Um, I, uh, I'll, I'll go first on this one, I guess. Um Shivers is far from being my favorite David Cronenberg film, <laughs> um, <laughs> but fair. I, yeah, yeah. I, if you said this was your favorite, I would be upset. 
I like it. I even back when I saw it, I think I I logged it. I mean, obviously, I logged it a couple years after I I'd seen it, right? So from memory, I think I logged it as like a three point five. Um, I liked it as much, if not a little more, this time. Um, it is at times very bad, um, but I do think there are some unsettling scenes. I think you definitely get an idea of Cronenberg's aesthetic in this film because it is very gross um there are mm-hmm. definitely some moments that uh yeah. make you go Bleh. um so it's it's an uncomfy watch there's some really bad acting for sure um and the budget is clearly slim to none because there's some <laughs> pretty questionable um blood effects and they probably put all the money into that fucking slug thing because that thing looked pretty cool but but considering the budget like i think the movie looks amazing can we just say the slug looked like a little shriveled puffy penis made out of blood like that that sounds perfect hideous (laughs) yeah it's very gross um but I mean, even from the opening scene, like the you're like, what is going on? What is this small boy doing in this man's thing? And then you're like, oh wait, no, it's it's a young a young woman. How young? I oh. don't know. It, like I was really <laughs> uncomfortable by so that they whole scene later, in the intro. They later say that she's 19, which okay, one, why is she wearing a literal schoolgirl outfit? <laughs> and then two, they also later talk about the they just very quickly skip over him assaulting a 12 year old girl it's just a I setup of the so... movie I mean... but like <laughs> what it, it, it like didn't seem to have any bearing on the rest of the movie and i was confused if it was supposed to be the same person because then they later say that she's 19 and i was like so he's just been raping her for seven years what the fuck is happening in this movie well i was a little confused by that because during that opening scene, it very much seems like he's the aggressor. But then later on, I think it's his partner, makes a comment about how she went crazy from the parasite and he killed her. I mean, obviously, he wasn't there when it happened. So maybe that was just the movie's way of communicating that. But in that scene, it very much felt like he was assaulting her. It didn't feel like she was infected. But that's the whole yeah. catalyst for the film is that she was like sleeping around with everybody in this tower. I think the fact that she was his 19 year old student means that in any scenario, it would be him assaulting her. You know what I mean? Like even right, if she, right, right. even if it's statutory or whatever, like because he was her teacher and she was so young, like that's pretty clearly defined as not can't be consensual because of the power dynamics oh yeah no totally i was just a little thrown when that conversation happened later where he indicated that she lost it and was the aggressor in that situation but it didn't play that way in that scene at all but like there's the whole that murder scene him slitting her belly open and like pouring the acid in like that really sets the sets the tone for the rest of the film um just a a very strange gross 
body horror film that I, I found effective um, and, you know, a, a, a tough watch, but um, goofy. I, I, I wouldn't say the movie has a sense of humor by any means, but oh, there's it's one campy. Pretty funny part, though. It's probably the best part in the movie when uh, the dude, like, coughs the uh, slug thing down onto the uh, old woman's umbrella. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Pure comedy. That was so funny, <laughs> to be fair. That was... Especially because she had a clear umbrella on a sunny day, at which point I'm like, if you're using that as a sun umbrella, it's not going to work because it's clear. <laughs> I didn't even realize umbrellas like that existed back then. For some reason, I thought that was like a more recent... You know, those like dome umbrellas. I see people using them all the time nowadays, but I don't remember yeah. seeing them when I was younger. I didn't realize they had been around that long. I don't know, man. All I'm trying to say is there was no rain happening and then a slug fell out of the sky. <laughs> as if it was as if she was expecting there to be something falling from the sky. Perhaps like a little uh, shriveled blood penis. Who's drumming in the background? Was that Kurt fucking jamming? Yeah, he got an electric <laughs> drum kit on. Uh, decided to start playing it right now, so that's a good, it's fine. That's a good time. For <laughs> yeah, yeah, we can hear you. So, <laughs> um, okay. Well, someone, someone else go. I don't oh, yeah, wanna, I'll, I don't I'll bully go. the microphone. Um, Paris, you went first on the last one, so you're going last on this one. Sorry, even though it's your show. <laughs> um. So I initially rated this a 4.5 the first time I saw it, which yeah. just blows my mind because watching it again, I was just like, how? <laughs> Why? What did I see in this the first time? Yeah. I think I was probably just giving it credit for being so low budget, but like still looking pretty good. And I don't know. I think it's like a, it's not like a, a great movie. It's not a perfect movie, but it is. I don't know. It's just there's something about it, like the just the low budgetness of it. It being one of his early movies, um, just kind of like seeing where you know his inspiration was early on, um, and just like yeah, I, I don't know. It plays like a like a schlocky zombie movie, like it with a twist, and the twist is awesome. That uh, <laughs> uh, Basically, some uh, doctor wanted to turn the world into a giant orgy. What mm -hmm. a great premise for a movie. <laughs> I mean, conceptually, that's amazing. But I feel like it boils down to, like, so. Budget. What okay. if zombies were rapists? <laughs> like, that's kind of all it is, right? Well, I mean, I think what, what Cronenberg does best and is exemplified in this very early film is that he... He's a really smart guy. He's very intellectual. And sometimes when the scientists in this movie were talking, I was like, yeah, that sounds like science. You know what I mean? Like, just Yeah, like, that guy's wearing a white lab coat. Whatever he says must make sense. But it was bigger than that. Like, I was... I, the things that some of the, the uh, scientists were saying made sense... Both scientifically, like on a conceptual level, I was like, okay, you know, you create this parasite, this guy thinks that people have become too complacent and they're not tuned into their instincts and all this stuff. The primal instinct. Exactly. So, yes, it is super rapey, but it is 
not it's you know based in truth in the sense that humans maybe not so much nowadays but we're like any other animal there to procreate you know what i mean fuck like beasts you know what i mean so for this movie to no, could you, exploit I'm not, sure not like rabbits could like you, beasts could you, could you maybe elaborate more on what you mean by that <laughs> um you know that scene in jackass 2 where uh the horse tries to fuck the other horse and they like mm, catch the its beast cum with two the backs sock. of course yes of course. <laughs> it's like that just of a course, horse. Of course, a horse, a horse. <laughs> <laughs> it's oh, just sorry. like that. <laughs> I do also like about the movie um, how they like try and paint this picture of this perfect society or like this, you know, this perfect apartment living situation. Yeah. Like, and then everything really. just goes to hell. Like everything is, you know, pristine and perfect. You have all your needs here. And then the whole place just gets run over by sex crazed zombies. Well, it's sort of like it's almost like it's all these people that are so uptight and perfect and idyllic or whatever. But but it almost feels like the parasite lets out all their repressed urges. And that what they really want to do is just fuck each other on the floor and dogpiling on top of Paris. each other. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Time to bump that star rating up. <laughs> <laughs> so that was I get that conceptually and that's really cool and like we talked about a couple times the concepts in this movie are very cool, very neat. The execution is just I was just not having a good time. And let me tell you <laughs> Let me tell you guys this movie drags on like i could see it as like a short film or even a short story i think it would have worked really well but like just the the middle third toward the end toward the end where people are just ramping up and getting more like crazy sex zombies i could have done with like way less of that i didn't even need so much setup maybe i don't know it just this it took forever and then by the end i was like is this movie fucking over yet? I didn't even I didn't even care anymore. I mean, I do feel like the movie's a bit dated, but it definitely suffers from lack of budget. When and I know I've already kind of said this, but I I do think the movie looks pretty good and also like just given the budget, I don't know what the budget was, but I'm assuming it's very low. Like everything was believable in the movie. Um even if it was like a bit campy or like silly at times, like I still believed everything I saw in the movie. And so it, yeah, I can see how people would not respond to it that greatly nowadays, but I do think the main problem it has is it just being lack of budget. Yeah. And I mean, it is 45 years old, so there is something to be said for, I think given that it does hold up pretty well. It doesn't feel like a, (laughs) <laughs> like some of our even some of the other movies we've watched uh, I feel like that can feel a little dated in there in what they're doing it holds up pretty well in that aspect considering how old it was in the budget I just I was just I don't even know <laughs> this movie I felt like I felt attacked by this movie I know these were my picks but I had not this was my first time <laughs> watching this and actually 
this was my first Cronenberg, and I had been really excited. Wow. Whoa, and I know on. it was his first feature film. You've never and, seen and a Cronenberg I haven't seen movie? The Fly. No, I haven't seen The Fly. I know that's the, the big one. No, no, but, but there's there's like 30 of them. <laughs> right, but that's <laughs> like the one 30, that's but... like everyone. I think there's he has 21 feature films, and this was his first. And it makes me not want to watch the other ones. I was really excited because I actually, I really enjoy body horror. I mean, not enjoy it. That that might be a bad way of saying that. Um, I like it. No, that's not better. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean. No, he's, but I was. Uh, <sighs> yeah, sorry. Go ahead, Travis. Well, yeah, for me, I I would say I think Cronenberg's a little overrated. I just don't respond as strongly. Uh, to some of his movies, but I do love The Fly. That's probably my favorite of his. I like some of his non-horror stuff, like History of Violence, Eastern Promises, Crash. Some of his recent stuff hasn't been that great, like Maps to the Stars and Cosmopolis. Um, I haven't seen a couple others, but like, I don't know, Videodrome, I've watched it a few times. It hasn't really done much for me. Uh, Scanners, I watched, and it was all right it's mainly known for like the, the head explosion scene, which is rad, but beyond that, it it's fine. Mm, right. Um, so yeah, I do think he's a bit overrated, but um, yeah, I, I don't know. Is Skinner's the one where the guy puts on the glasses and then he can see that everyone is aliens and that's, then he's like, that's, they live. They live. Okay. Yeah. No scanners is the one you've probably seen it as like a, a gif but a dude's head explodes. He's like sitting at a news desk. Yeah, no, I've explodes. seen that. I just, I just didn't remember anything else, or I didn't know anything else about the movie. So oh, I thought it was okay. also they live. Yeah, no, scan- scanners and the fly are probably my favorite. I like Videodrome, but I, I agree it's it's a little overrated. Um, and Existence is dope. It's pretty dumb, but <laughs> it's it's <laughs> it's dope. Uh, <laughs> Um, I need to see that one. Still. How, Sounds like a male enhancement drug. Where did you guys watch this? I own the Blu-ray. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Bought it I for watched uh, it 10 for bucks. F- oh my gosh. Travis. <laughs> Where did you watch Paris? Uh, for free on Tubi. Was the Tubi version the TIFF restoration? I don't fucking know. What are you... Well, it said at the beginning, I, so I watched it on the Criterion channel because um, it's on there. And um, I remember this movie looking like absolute dog shit, but that's because the, the TIFF restoration didn't occur until 2013, I found out. So, so I've th- only seen mm. the TIFF version. <laughs> yeah, because I remember watching this and I was like, this looks horrible. Um, so that was, that was before Tiff put the money into restoring it. But did you guys have weird audio issues? I don't know if it was just the playback on the Criterion channel, but there was some like dialogue that I could barely hear, but then I could, there would be like someone would drop a glass or something and it would be really loud. So I don't know if it was like a mixing issue or if it was just a playback Mm -hmm. issue, but did you guys have any sound wonkiness watching this? I, I, I don't, don't so. not that I can recall. No. Okay. Maybe it's just Criterion Channel's shitty streaming service, but I don't know. I, I was having some weird sound stuff going on, but I agree with Travis. I think it looks really good. Um, 
it, it may be low budget, but you know, as long as you made it on decent film stock, like you can make any movie look good <laughs> from back then. You know what I mean? Like, I don't say that as a disservice to the film. I just think, well, it takes a certain director DP to make it shine. On well, the sure. Stock, but, but you I could, hear what you're saying. You can restore <laughs> something that was shot on decent film stock and make it look at least decent. Yeah, like you're Silent not, Night, Deadly Night, my Blu-ray. It looks amazing. <laughs> <laughs> you're not going to ever make something like God. Wrong Turn look amazing. Something that is just like super digital looking. Because it's just, yeah. you know, you're not going to be... You can up-res it, I guess. Right. But film film rules. Yes. That's what you're getting at. Digital rules. Yes. Doesn't age. <laughs> <laughs> um. Any other thoughts? Does it deteriorate like digital does? Wait, it does deteriorate. Well, I think, but it's easier to restore, or right, yeah, than digital. <laughs> I don't know. I, I probably shouldn't be talking. <laughs> it about definitely film definitely film deteriorates worse. I think the the <laughs> negative or the original of a film is going to age much better than a digital version. If it is kept in good condition, yes. Yes. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Um, So many qualifiers there. (laughs) um, So overall, pretty cool. Kind of silly. Not the best, but you definitely... I've seen most of Cronenberg's films, and I have not seen... He actually made two... This is his third feature film, he made two prior to this that like barely anybody can see. I think they Are put you out sure? like sure? Because there was a bunch yeah. of stuff that said this was his first feature film. The other the other two weren't short films or something. No, he made a film called Stereo that is sixty five minutes long, and he made a film called Crimes of the Future, which is sixty three. He was director for yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Well, this would be the first time that IMDb has ruined me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, people don't really talk yeah, about I don't even those think films. Those movies are on. Uh, oh, yeah, they are. They're on DVD, and, I think. Well, they're on. Um, yeah, they're on Letterbox. Oh yes, yeah, they're on Letterbox, but not very many people have logged them. I th- I think they're pretty hard to see. Although I'm looking at the Wikipedia page, and it says that. Uh, Crimes of the Future has been included as a special feature in some of his films, including Hmm. the Criterion release of The Brood, which I do not own that one. I own Videodrome. What are you doing, man? I I haven't bought... Well, I don't don't like The Brood that much. Have you seen The Brood? Uh, Yeah, I liked it. It was solid. Yeah, but I'm not going to fucking pop on the Criterion. I got Scanners, Videodrome... And Naked Lunch, which I need to see again because I remember thinking that movie was like pretty I've fucking. Never seen Naked Lunch. It's pretty out there. I think yeah, I rated it, it like a. It I think I rated it like a three point five because I felt like I was too stupid for the like I didn't want to seem dumb giving it a low rating or something. Okay, know? can we actually? I had this moment with shivers when I went to rate it, and I was you know doing a little bit of research and looking at it. I. First of all, I also looked at y'all's ratings and I was like, am I dumb? And then I was like doing research and it's kind of like maybe not a quote classic, but like iconic kind of. And I was like, am I dumb? And I know Cronenberg's supposed to be this like 
crazy genius. And I was like, am I dumb? Like, am I dumb for, for, I mean, for, I mean, we no, haven't said Star Wars. I think right, people but... just give it a pass mainly because it's Cronenberg and I don't know. It's not the greatest movie, but given what it is, it's, it's solid, you know? Right. Yeah. I mean, as the guy who gave it a 4.5 the first time he saw <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's why I looked and saw that, and I was like, we're going to have to talk about this. And Travis, you said that was on a previous watch, and mm-hmm. you changed your mind about that, right? Yeah, my score will be a little bit lower this time around. Okay, came back to reality on this one. I, I believe your exact <laughs> words were, I don't know what the fuck I was thinking on that previous <laughs> Smoking. Smoking. Mm-hmm. Oh, excuse it can me. make you a big difference. You don't know difference. what you were smoking. Yes, yes, that does make sense. I think the the whole TIFF restoration just fucking got me. <laughs> Man, this you know, looks amazing. <laughs> I don't know if the one on Tubi was that, but it must have been because it definitely didn't look. It looked good. I had no issues with the. I thought the quality for a low budget movie from the seventies, it sings. Well, I don't can't know. It doesn't that. look that no. fucking good. No, I can't yes, argue I mean, that. It doesn't look that good. Are you crazy? Jesus. It looked Are better than crazy? Silent Night, Deadly Night when I watched it on No, Google that Live. movie looks oh. great. My Blu-ray. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Travis watched it on his Blu-ray, so I know. But you watched these both on Blu-ray, right? Yeah. So which Except... one looked better? Hard to say, but they both look pretty crisp. <laughs> they both look great like matt said you can make any film stock look great <laughs> no that's exactly what i said but i'm pretty sure that's what you said i'm pretty sure roll the tape back he said something about digital deteriorates faster i don't remember who said what <laughs> it's all a blur at this point okay any other thoughts on shivers no uh one thought and it's actually a little trivia fact for it um the guy that gets stabbed in the shoulder by the main nurse gal um is david cronenberg oh oh what i didn't even yeah apparently pay attention he's in it for like put one two and two second. together <laughs> yeah he's barely in it but i don't even really know what david cronenberg looks like like i kind of do but if i saw him on the street i probably he's wouldn't recognize him pretty distinct looking these days Maybe well yeah because he's fucking <laughs> ancient now but <laughs> i don't know i probably would not recognize him i would recognize david lynch if well, i if we're so- comparing david's if we're looking we're at not. Google Images, he kind of does look like if David Lynch and maybe like Christopher Walken and then a little bit of Andy Warhol had a baby. He looks He's kind of got an intense look about him. But when he was younger, he sort of looks like a like an older. Jim yes, Jim. yeah, that's what I was thinking. He does look like Jim Jarmish. I don't know what it's Jim Jarmish even the, looks like. Jim Jarmish. Hair. Jim Jarmish has like a. His hair's a little bit crazier. Oh yeah, I could see that. Jim Jarmish is just, but he kind of looks seems like Andy Warhol cool. to me too. So I don't Jim know. Jarmish, dude, I want to <laughs> hang out with Jim Jarmish. Oh oh oh! Um, before we leave, um, you guys need to look up. There's an interview with John Carpenter. John Carpenter talks about 
Uh, how he went to like a party or something in the 90s and David Cronenberg was there. It was like a director's roundtable. And he said David Cronenberg like takes himself way too seriously or something like that. It's pretty funny. I am shocked. You'd have to listen to it, but... um, Wait, how do I find this? Can you... um, Try Googling uh, John Carpenter uh, interview David Cronenberg or something like that. He tells a story okay. about like a director's roundtable that they both got invited to and how because John Carpenter seems like the coolest dude. He's just like he plays video games and he like r- understands that he made genre films like he's not self-important. He said that Cronenberg was carrying himself like he was a hot shot, basically. Well, and Carpenter's basically yeah. admitted he like did shit for money at one point like he's very real about his Hmm. craft it's not doesn't take himself too seriously yeah i think that's part of the reason why people love him so much because he was never he was never doing anything other than just making fun genre films you know what i mean you know you say people matt but you can just say yourself you love you love him. No, you love everyone Carpenter. loves John Carpenter. <laughs> it's well, fine. A lot of people love John Carpenter and his movies. Um, but yeah, he has some classics, that's for sure. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. All right. You guys ready to wrap this up? Should we give star ratings for Shivers? Let's do it. Yeah. All right. Well, on the rewatch, um, I'm going to go 3.5 again. I don't think I'm quite, I'm not quite ready to give it a four because it's not a great movie, but I do like it. I enjoy it. 3.5. 3.5 for me. Ooh, a full star drop. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Like I said, I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know what you were thinking either because I gave this a two. I saw you initially gave it a one. So woof, Jesus! On the prowl. So here's the thing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So apparently, uh, Travis is playing Letterbox Police this week. Fucking off. I originally Uh, every day of my life. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what it was, but I think it was because there there got to be a point, maybe two thirds of the way through this movie, where I was just over it. I was ready for it to be fucking done. And so when it finished, I was like, fuck this movie. I'm so mad I watched this. And then I thought about it a little bit. And I thought, I kind of thought about other low star movies I've given. And I was like, you know, <laughs> it wasn't, it, it had its moment. It's not like I said, bad. Well, and I literally, I literally looked at what I rated Thanks Killing, and I was like, okay, I can't literally rate it less than Thanks Killing. That's, that is, that's fucking ridiculous. That would be an atrocity. Um, I just, but if I'm, like, if I'm comparing it to other movies, it got a little bit of a bump. But on its own, it was low. It was real low. I did not. I, I think I also went in with very high expectations. And was Just because it was really Cronenberg, or did my yeah. star rating uh, sway you? No, I didn't look at the star ratings till after. Uh, I okay. it was because it was Cronenberg, and yeah, I just I was really well. Don't make uh, this turn yourself away from Cronenberg because there's a couple gems out there that you still need to see. Yeah, that Shivers is very much. Um, I think Shivers, I would not have recommended, like, if I had known that you had not seen another Cronenberg film, 
Like Shivers is something. I don't think Cronenberg is one of those directors that you can say like, yeah, just start at the beginning. Start with Reservoir Dogs <laughs> and just just move through. You know, like Shivers is a movie that you come back to after you have a familiarity with the director's work because you're probably not gonna appreciate it. Yeah. Without being like a sniff your own fart film nerd who's like, oh, you can really see the beginnings <laughs> of the Cronenberg aesthetic. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Matt, would you not describe yourself as a sniff your own fart? Why do you okay. think I like shivers? <laughs> Duh. <laughs> but what I mean is like, the I would say the best place to start with Cronenberg is probably The Fly. I mean, that's the one that most people know. Or Videodrome. It's um, probably the most mainstream movie of his. The Fly? Yeah. Yeah, that's what um, which I've is heard as weird, well, right? Because right? the it's fly to, is gross, yeah, it's weird to say that. But it's, <laughs> I mean, I think that one's a lot more grotesque than this one is, but it has much more straightforward storyline, right? I mean, not straightforward storyline. Storyline that's more like this plotting is a little bit more appealing. I'm going based off of pure a little less guesses. rapey. <laughs> <laughs> There's less, more of a less plot. rape. Okay. <laughs> There's more of a plot, but it is it. That's a weird movie too. Like. Cronenberg's a weird guy. Yeah, but it does feel more mainstream than a lot of his movies. Just like the production of it okay. and like Jeff Goldblum's in it. A couple other isn't like who's the love interest? Is it Gina Davis or is it Um Yeah, similar? it's Gina Davis. Okay. And I think um is John Getz is in it too. Um, oh Getz. Different John. <laughs> <laughs> no, Lithgow was busy being in uh, De Palma films. Right, right. <laughs> um, okay. Oh, well, what? Real quick, real quick. Cronenberg oh, plays the gynecologist Jesus. in The Fly. What he a pimp. He just loves playing doctor. <laughs> Cast himself as the gynecologist <laughs> in his own movie. What a pimp. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. What a hero. Um, okay. So, oh my God, David! Wait, <laughs> no, never mind. I'm getting way. I need to stop looking. Are we at going down a rabbit hole? Yeah, right now no, I need to not look at Wikipedia. <laughs> okay, so that's gonna do it for our STD episode. Uh, next time we are going to be doing a 2020 horror film double feature. Um, Travis gets the picks. We haven't settled on the specific picks yet. But by the time this episode airs, we will have decided. So check the show notes if you want to know what the next picks are. Uh, picks are. Oh, my God. I'm still thinking about soul. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> um, Travis, any thoughts? Um, do you want uh, to admit why you're doing this? Just simply because you want to cram, obviously. Yeah, but... I always have an agenda when I'm picking my double feature. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, I'm just trying to bang out as many 2020 releases as possible. And since it's my turn and there's a few horror movies left to see, I thought this is a perfect opportunity to do that. I, um, well, never mind. We can talk about this off air. I was going to throw out a wild card, but I, I, I can't throw a wild card out at the end of the episode because who knows how long we'll be here. No, but, uh, let's hear it. No. <laughs> what's i'm cutting is you it, off cutting is you it a wild off. card double feature like what is 
No, fucking bring it off air. Well, as, when we're done, I'll I'll, I'll talk about it. So we Ooh, can't get into it on the show. So who knows? <laughs> They're gonna be dying to know what you're referring to. But 2020, uh, good riddance. Uh, but we're not done yet. We're gonna talk about <laughs> two horror films potentially um, from the year. So check the feed. Go ahead and send us an email if you have any suggestions or anything you want to talk about. Us to talk about, I should say. Feedback, uh, Digest at gmail.com. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Stay spooky. Stay scared. And stay off Pornhub.